0: The car breaks. What did it do? Not what do you think it is, but what did it do? It stole. My baby. I watch, as I usually do, a lot of stuff on YouTube that I can learn from. Of course, you're the guru, but YouTube's my second education source. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open, but I am here to take your calls. At 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines or maybe push your button, whatever it is, whatever kind of vehicle it is that you are driving. Ronnie and Andy, and the Car Doctor here at the helm at 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls and answer your questions. Cardoctorshow.com. Is the website podcast of this radio show are there? We also stream this radio show from cardoctorshow.com. You can access it anytime 24 7. There is an all Ron, all Car Doctor channel running all the time, but the live show is also broadcast out of CarDoctorShow.com. Uh, if you click down on the left side of the page, there's a stream button there, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Saturdays. For those of you that don't carry an affiliate or have an affiliate near you that carry the show, then you can stream it from CarDoctorShow.com. Of course, podcasting at tuneIn.com iHeart, iTunes, all the usual places that America and everyone else is going for streaming and podcasting shows, please click subscribe, because we appreciate it when you are here to you know, talk to us about your car, and we appreciate the fact that you're tuning in and listening, because we know we have, you have a lot of choices. You have a lot of things to be doing with your time, and um, time is something we're all short of. Tony looked at me funny when I said, start your engines, turn the key, or push the button at the top of the hour, and you know what? That might have to become the opening, because we are changing the way... We approach cars both in their design and the way we think about them. I've been talking about this for a while. If you recall, two weeks ago, I went to a Chrysler class, and we were talking about volumetric efficiency and calculated load testing and the way that we're going to be working on cars in the future. And our next guest, as we have a conversation about this, who knows, maybe we'll be talking about voltage drop testing automobiles because our next our next conversation is going to be one that well you're going to really enjoy this matt good from iowa state university the iowa state university electric car program is going to be joining us right now and he's here to talk to us about well solar solar powered cars matt are you there sir
1: yeah ron i'm on the line
0: Uh, you know you're you guys are out there today with this vehicle correct rolling around iowa
1: that is correct. So eight days ago, uh, PRISM, as we like to call ourselves, just unveiled the world's first solar utility vehicle. So this is a four-seat solar car. It's 100% powered by the sun, and it also has plug-in capabilities. So that way, just in case it starts raining or, you know, the sun goes down, you still have that 170 miles to get you home at the end of the day.
0: Staggering. Um, uh, You know, you, you sit here, and I'm listening to what you're saying, and the first thought that went through my mind is a four-person sustainable solar car and i just had this vision of the of the oil and gas industry going bye-bye uh you know it's it it, and it's going to happen and i hope i live long enough to see this you know i always think back to when the horse was the mainstay of, of transportation and i wonder how quick it happened where the horse went away and everything went to cars and i'm looking for that next evolution and, and, and this is the kind of conversations that we have with people that, you know, here's what you're doing. You're creating that next evolution. You're going to a four-seat, a real car, uh, you know. Assist, exactly.
1: Uh, you, know. you know, kind of when you look at the history of cars, you know, back in the turn of the century, it was a three-way competition between steam, electric, and gas. And the only reason gas was able to win out was just it was a little bit easier. And, you know, once the horses went away, there was no more water for your steam cars, so uh, I think that we're finally getting uh, to the point where electric cars are the next solution, and then the step after that is going to be solar electric cars. Right. So as a team of students, that's kind of what we wanted to set out to do and try to change the paradigm of transportation.
0: Let me, let me, a- and you could very well do it. Let me ask you, I have two questions. The first thoughts off the top of my sure. head. Whatever happened to and I don't know if you'll know this, but it, you know, I always wondered why we don't see more hydrogen fuel cell vehicles is it because of the interest infrastructure to build to support that is the expense too high
1: so i am definitely not an expert on the subject uh but i do know that it does take a large amount of energy to produce the hydrogen or at least with the current manufacturing processes so in order to kind of switch that over it just takes a little bit of infrastructure to do that um so but i don't know why there hasn't been that shift so it's a great question yeah
0: and then my other question (laughs) was and i'm not trying to be a wise guy so you've yep. got you've got a solar a four seat solar powered car, and I guess you've got four people in this vehicle driving around Iowa this weekend. Yep. And it, it's it's obviously this is a daytime car. You're not driving this at night.
1: Well, we do some night driving because we do have headlights on, it brake lights. It's a CO, COT street legal car.
0: And that was my question. Do you have headlights on this? And I guess you know. And then how how do we get around? So if if the concept of solar power cars is it works, the technology works, and what you guys are doing, you know, becomes the next shift. How are we going to drive at night?
1: Well, uh, I think that's the whole aspect of having uh, our battery pack inside the car. So how I think about it is um, it's basically an electric car, and then you have a generation system on top of the car. So you have your solar cells on top. So as your battery technology continues to advance, you know, you're going to be seeing larger and larger range out of a vehicle, uh, without increasing the mass any, so by the time you slap some solar cells on top, now you're just continuously recharging those batteries. So if you just drive to work and keep it parked outside all day, your car is going to recharge itself. But the coolest thing is once that car is done recharging itself, if your car is plugged into your workplace, you can run your workshop off of your car that's sitting outside in the parking lot.
0: So you could be a you could be a carpenter with your cordless drills and. You could work on the side of the road. Is that what we're thinking about? I'm being serious. I mean, that's... that's a,
1: exactly. The, that's that's what I, I really see out of this. And let's say the power goes out of your home. Well, you could just plug your electric car into your house and then run your house off your car. So you no longer need to have a gas generator or anything like that also. You know, I so read... You really... Yeah, go go ahead.
0: ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, you know, I read somewhere a couple of years ago, the conversation was that, you know, the idea of changing the whole fleet over to an other than gasoline vehicle isn't really what they want, what, what the industry is trying to do. If They said if we could change 10% of the amount of American vehicles on the road over to an other, you know, an alternate uh, 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 um, electric or, you know, um, a solar electric vehicle, et cetera, you would see the price of gas under a dollar a gallon because the demand would be so low, it would just take the, the, the pressure off in such a tremendous way. Uh, You know, and the numbers above 10 percent just start forcing some rapid changes, both in political in nature, in terms of, you know, who holds all the cards and both in terms of economic pressure, you know, who's got all the power. So, you know, this is this really is cutting edge stuff, what you're doing here. Does the car have air conditioning? I'm just curious.
1: So right now we have basically a forced cooling system. So in the front of the car, uh, we have vents that will take in ambient air from the outside and force it into the driver's face. Uh, But we are looking at different ways that we can air condition the inside. So right now it's still a concept vehicle.
0: Right, right, right. And then from here, now, now, for lack of a better way to put it, these are students, right? You guys are engineers at Iowa State University?
1: So we're not just engineers. So two years ago, this was a blank sheet of paper. So in two years, we went from $0 in our account. Uh, We're a nonprofit. And we went from a blank sheet of paper to the finished car that you see that's driving on roads. And right now, we're doing a 99-county tour of Iowa, kind of bringing it out to all sorts of different people, all sorts of different communities, showing it off. And then this fall, it's going to race across the continent of Australia. So we'll actually be starting in the north coast of Australia. And driving to the south coast, right through the Stewart Highway and right through the middle of the outback. What
0: what does the car weigh, David? Uh, It only weighs
1: 960 pounds.
0: Okay, curb weight by itself. Exactly. So with four people in it, what, 200 pounds a person, it may may top out close to 2,000 pounds.
1: Yeah, that is correct.
0: Okay. And then what are you doing for, you know, four tires and a spare? I mean, do you look at all that and then how much luggage can it hold? Or is it, you know, how much of a concept is this at this point?
1: So on the inside, uh, we have enough room to actually, uh, the car is big enough so you can put your skis in there if you want to go skiing on the weekend. Also, if you want to go camping, you can easily fit your tent and camping gear on the inside. Right now, when we go to an outreach event, we actually put all of our free t shirts sunglasses, and stuff like that in our back hatch. Then we have our four members hop into the seats. Then we turn the car on, uh, turn on our infotainment system so we can listen to music as we cruise up and start driving the car.
0: How much of what you're doing do you think is for the benefit of the motoring public here on this planet versus do you think, you know, does the space program come along in five years and look at the technology you're developing and they take it with them to the stars? Do you ever think about that?
1: Uh, Well, I think the coolest thing is... uh, we're affecting a lot of different markets in very different ways. So like we're using the same materials that our aircraft are made out of. We're using carbon fiber, you know, we're using fiberglass molds. And then on the electronic side, we're making super high efficient electrical systems. So uh, we're kind of working, you know, with the same systems that cell phones are using a couple years down the road. We're using the same sort of radio technology that we'll be communicating with a couple years down the road. And like you said, you know, uh, vehicle wise, we're kind of making that next step of vehicle also.
2: Right. So, uh,
1: the vehicle, I believe, will be impacting several different markets. Just like when uh, you know that new product comes out, it kind of does has shockwaves that ripple into other markets.
3: Yeah,
0: I think, you know, have you seen the movie The Martian?
1: Yes, right, yep, great movie. Did,
0: <laughs> right, do you, do you, do you, you know, I look at that movie, and one of the things about that movie that I really enjoyed was the technology in it reminded me of what people like you and your team are doing today and developing. Because that was a solar powered rover that he had, and you know you're not that far off the mark, and it, you know it's it's you know there's there's another Edison in you guys if you know what I'm saying, and you guys are just reinventing the wheel, so don't stop by any stretch of the imagination. From a from a mechanic side, I'm a mechanic. Forty three years, I'm still going to class. How are we going to get guys to fix this? They can't fix internal combustion engine cars, uh, <laughs> you know. Sure. Um, you know, and and I, I mean. And that's got to be part of this thought process, too, the practicality of how do you now get a market of this and an infrastructure support team of this set up, too. That's an enormous undertaking. Uh, yeah. You know, where, um, so where kinda, does that, how does that fit?
1: In? Pro- so we're approaching the problem by almost how Tesla does the wireless updates to their cars. Uh, we have a telemetry system on the inside that's hooked up to our computer. So actually anyone sitting inside the car can access all the diagnostics of the vehicle. So by just hitting a couple buttons on the touchscreen located in the center of the vehicle, they can figure out if it's throwing an error code, what that error code may be. Then from there, they can either contact, let's say that we go into business and we have a sales representative somewhere, you know, they could contact them. Or if there's a mom and pop shop down the road, they should be able to contact them. Because electric vehicles will need some maintenance. Like, let's say sensors go out, you know, these newer vehicles, you always have some sort of sensor going out somewhere. So there'll still be some sort of demand for someone to come and fix it and we try to simplify all the systems so as students you know we could still fix it because we're still going to class at the same time we're still learning so uh complex systems typically fail for us so we try to kept everything really simple on this vehicle
0: wow you you guys are just turning the world on it's here um matt if the listeners want more information if they want to donate if they want to support this endeavor how do they go out and find out more about you guys
1: so I'd say uh, feel free to go to our website and start there. Uh, the website is PRISM, that dot org, And there you can find more information about the team, more information about what we're trying to do with the transportation world. And also, if you're interested, donate to the cause to help us get to Australia and help us build the next vehicle, which will be better than this one.
0: Okay. Hey, listen, if we can do anything for you here, um, if you guys want to keep us updated on your progress, we're always glad to have you back. Um, you know, as you stumble across that next light bulb, we'd, uh, we'd, we'd, we'd be honored if you'd consider us to help make America aware of it. So uh, always feel free to reach out. And uh, thanks for taking the time today. And um, happy motoring, I guess, would be the best way to end this.
1: Yeah, thank you very much for having me. And maybe next time I could be calling you from Australia in the middle of the outback.
0: Well, you know what? Absolutely. Absolutely. Positively, kiddo. We'd love to do that. And um, like I said, if, uh, if we can do anything to help you and get you uh, out in front of the right people, we're glad to do it. Feel free to reach out. Um, uh, real quick, you guys must have a Facebook page, right?
1: Yeah, we do. If we uh, Once again, if you search PRISM Solar Car, so P-R-I-S-U-M Solar Car, you can find us on Facebook. We're also on Twitter, Twitter, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn. So feel free to give us a shout-out, too, and feel free to see a couple photos of the car.
0: Cool beans. And pr- it's PRISM, P-R-I-S-U-M.org is the website. Gotcha.
1: All right, Matt, well, thank you Matt. very much for uh, having me on the show.
0: You're very welcome, sir. Thanks for taking the time today. Isn't that? Thank you very much. I'm running Andy and the Car Doctor. I'll come back and we'll make some comments. I'm running Andy and the Car Doctor. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. We're on the end of The Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's 24-7 toll-free number, 855-560-9900. Uh, what can I say about a solar-powered car? And look what they're doing. They've created the future. The future is here. And as cliche as that sounds, but it's the truth. Y- you know, you can't, you have to look at everything. You have to be open to new ideas. And that's that's the only way we're going to advance the industry forward. Um, I had someone call me the other day from a graphics company, Inland Graphics, out in Illinois. And Barbara caught me at just the right moment. I had two minutes, which I usually don't in the course of the shop. And we had a really great conversation about a lot of things. And the gist of it was, you know, I told her, you know, you have to be open to everything. And you have to get out of the old paradigm and the old way of doing things. And you have to shift and that's what these guys are doing they're they're shifting they're creating a change that will ultimately bring a change in society uh, you have to believe that they're they're on to the next thing and i said to tom during the break you know the next edison could be in that bunch and the next tesla could be in that bunch and uh, you know these these are the guys that are going to bring us into solar cars and a solar car would 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 <laughs> i'm telling you it would change the economy overnight all right, the shift in the power of balance of no more need for oil and gasoline at the levels that we need it now, it would be staggering. Uh, it would be like something you've never seen. Uh, you know, it would be like Star Trek. As as crazy as that sounds, I'm not off on a soapbox here. I'm just calling them like I see them. Let's get over to the phones. David in Iowa. David, welcome to the car, Doctor, sir. How can I help?
2: Hey, thanks a lot, Ron. You know, isn't
0: that interesting stuff, huh? Yeah, You know, where where it almost you know i 'll be thinking about that interview that conversation for a while, David, because you know it's not like they 've got something to follow they are they are the pioneers those you know I refer to them as kids because everybody is younger than me as a kid, but you know those people are the next pioneers blazing that path they are they are that next step not to be corny they are the next step to the stars because that technology not only helps us here that gets us to the next planet that lets us that gives us mobility in the stars that brings an awful lot of technology to work for us here and beyond and it's it's just it's clearly thinking outside the box and people like that need to be encouraged by, by by all means. Have you seen the car? I see that you're from Iowa, so do you have any connection to the car at all? Have you
2: seen yeah,
1: it? I'm just south of there, uh, Ron. And I will tell you what, I'm going to go up and I'm going to
2: introduce a uh, uh, have him start working on a motorcycle. Okay.
0: Yeah. So uh, but, uh, you know, you three wheels. Yeah, it's three wheels. Say again, I'm David. Yeah, I'm going to see if I can get him in, yeah, an interested in that. Uh, y- you know, it's 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 engineering like that. That just does an awful lot of change and creates an awful lot of good for all of us. And yeah. I, I, I can't even begin to see... Um, I probably don't even understand it at this level. The, you know, we—I was just thinking about it this morning. The price of gasoline here in New Jersey is currently about two dollars and thirty-five cents a gallon, and that's with the addition of the twenty-five cents a gallon gas tax that they put in to repair all the roads, which I've yet to see them do anything with uh, because I still hit every pothole, every you know, every twisted piece of roadway is still in existence. But uh, my point, my point is that the price of gasoline is really creating... The need for change, and you're gonna see gasoline drop like a stone when this technology um, uh, you know really takes off. So uh, you know, all we can do is help these kids. Again, Prism P-R-I-S-U-M dot org. Prism.org, and they're out on Facebook. Go look them up on Prism Solar Powered Car as well. I'm Ron and Andy in the Car Doctor. David, thanks for calling in. I'm Ron and Andy in the Car Doctor. We'll be back to take your calls right after this. Welcome back, Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900, Car Doctor's 24-7 number, streaming at cardoctorshow.com, as well as on 80-plus affiliates across this great country of ours. Um, I want to point out, next week, I already know what next week's open is going to be. Tony's going, what? Next week's open, first hour, um, so the 2 o'clock hour, I'm going to talk about the repair of the week, because I kind of know what it is. I've got this 2000 Corvette that three dealers and an independent repair shop tried to fix. And it was basically an electrical draw. And we're going to talk about how I diagnosed it. Um, I, I know what's wrong with it. I have to finish the repair this week. But I'm going to stick my neck out and say I can fix it. And I will prove it to you by next Saturday as uh, I talk about it during next week's show. So uh, you guys can call me on it if I don't mention it. But I guarantee you that car will be fixed. Um, because uh, we've already got the diagnosis made, and um, we'll talk about the whole thing next week. Just trying to uh, pique a little curiosity, a 2000 Corvette, poor guy. Boy, did this guy spend a lot of money to fix nothing. It was amazing. Let's go over and talk to Corey in Parkman, Maine, 02 Ford Explorer, and some questions. Corey, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help?
3: Hey, Ron, how you doing?
0: Yes, sir. What's going oh, on?
3: Yeah, first time caller. We love your show up here in Maine, you Th- know?
0: Thank you, sir. I'm glad to be there. I've been up there in Maine for many, 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 many years. Oh, yeah. And, uh, as well as other parts, and I'm um, glad to be there for you. What's going on?
3: Uh, I got an O2 Explorer there that we've had for quite a while. It's got over 200,000 miles on it. Just broken in. Oh, yeah. I love oh, yeah. this truck, you know. So, right. Yep. So the rear end started howling, and I've got another truck out here, another Explorer. It's an Eddie Bauer I bought for parts. And I want to swap both differentials out of that truck and into mine. Okay. I just wanted to make sure that everything was going to be right, like the speedometer. You know, we used to get into trouble with that back in the day. And I didn't know, I mean, where it's all electronic. Is this just a bolt-in deal?
0: Well, you're going to, if the gear ratios are different, you're going to have to find out what one is versus the other and then start to do the math, you know, in terms of how it's going to affect it. Yep. Now, if if the gear ratio was available for that year vehicle. So, you know, if if it's from an 02 to an 02 and, you know, one's a 308 and the other one's Uh, a
3: 355s and 373s. Okay. And the ones that I'll be putting in are the 373s, and that one also has limited slip.
0: Okay. So, you know, if that was an option, you should be able to go in and program, set it up, for that particular gear ratio i don't see why you can't do that using a ford ids um there's there's got to be a way to change the as built data within the vehicle okay you know it it shouldn't be an impossibility but uh, you know otherwise yes you are going to have you know the speedo will be off the abs will be off um you'll actually affect engine operation. so there there should be the ability to change that um i would verify that with your local ford store and just tell them what you're planning to do, and you know they'll probably charge you an hour's time to hook up the IDS and reprogram it. But you know, for a hundred bucks or whatever they get for a labor rate, uh, you know, it's it's you're, you know it's clearly the way to go because in your case, it's not just rebuilding the rear; it's also now you're going to have a limited slip, which is uh, obviously up there in Maine in the snow, yeah. um, a better deal. Oh yeah. All right. Now let so me ask you will this: Is be able is,
3: to drive it into the dealership? You think, Ron? Say that again. Well, can I put the gear in and drive it to the dealership? Or yeah, I, I would think so.
0: I would think so. I don't think I don't think that's necessarily an issue. Is is the are the transfer cases the same style?
3: Yeah, I believe they are.
0: Um, you know, if if, if one's a, a shift on the fly, is the other a shift on the fly? Uh, uh, yeah,
3: they both have the auto four by four okay. set up there. Okay, because that would be. You know, I look at
0: the manufacturers always have a reason why they build something the way they do not a yep. question of right or wrong they've always got a reason so if one's got 370 whatever's 373's and the other one's a 355 and it had two different transfer cases I'd say well maybe that's got something to do with it yep. but you know it, in this case it's just one was probably an open diff and the other one was a, a limited slip or a locker and yep. you know it was just checking off the box on the order sheet and, and I'm sure they can do that uh, you know, at, 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 are the engines the same, or is one a V8 and I, the other
3: one a V6? Yeah, one's a V8, one's a V6. Yeah, that's the catch. Yeah.
0: That's, that's going to be the catch. And I I venture to guess the, the V8 has the 373.
3: Yep. Yeah. With the Limited, yeah. Right. But that was in, like, the Eddie Bauer-style truck there. Right. And mine's right. really a base model, you know.
0: So then the other question I've got is, you know, are the transes the same?
3: Yeah, they both have the five-speed trans, right? Okay.
0: Well, you know, as long as they're both the same, because my experience has been that the V8 has a different trans than the V6. Yep. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but you are going to wind the little V6 out a little tighter. Yep. Then you will with the, although it makes more sense. You know, I, I still follow the school of thought that the small block can wind higher than the big block. Yep. Um, so you would think that the V8 could, or the V6 could wind higher than the V8, but I guess, you know, technology's changing and, um, you know, that way of thinking doesn't apply anymore. But I would just say that if you can change it through an IDS or you can change it through programming, then, yeah, I don't see any reason why you can't do it.
3: Cool.
0: Absolutely. All right.
3: Well, I'll give the dealership a call. You know, One other thing about yeah. the same truck. Yep. When you first start this thing, ever since I got it, we've been driving it for quite a while now. There's a pretty good clatter that comes out from under the hood. It sounds like it's on the driver's side of the top of the engine, you know.
0: So, like a lifter, like a lifter clatter?
3: Eh, not really. I mean, I would have thought it was a belt tensioner or something with the slapping noise that it kind of makes. Um, have, you,
0: have you have you ever. tried taking the belt off and starting it?
3: Yeah, it still does it.
0: Still does it. So it's internal in the engine.
3: Yep. Yeah. 100,000 miles been doing it. Now is this, uh,
0: is this the 4 liter uh yep. s- single overhead cam dual overhead cam?
3: Uh the single overhead cam. Single overhead cam. Yep. So,
0: you know, if, if it's been doing it for 100,000 miles and it hasn't yeah. changed in sound, yep. You know, it's in frequency and duration, you know, you could start to take it apart for an exploratory but what do you expect to find that you can hope right. to, you know, at, at this point, I'd let it go. You're yep. Just be aware of it. You know, could it be related to oil filter and drain back valve? Yeah. Um, well, I'm asking that. I'm just thinking off the top of my head, Corey. You know, could it be that maybe, I don't know what oil filter you're using, maybe it's got an improper drain back valve on it and oil bleeds oh, okay. down and it, it takes a little bit of time for it to, <laughs> to build up uh, pressure?
3: Yeah, I'll try another try another filter on it. You know, change what, the what, oil. what
0: brand of oil filter are you using, do you know?
3: I usually get everything from Napa.
0: Okay. You know, maybe ask them. Maybe they've got a you know, maybe they've got an issue with drain back. I would tell you to take a look at the Wix filters. You got an O'Reilly Auto Parts up there by you? Oh
3: yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah
0: get over to an O'Reilly Auto Parts. Tell me you want a Wix filter. Um and, you know, get the right oil for it and let's yep. see what that does. Um, cool. you know, maybe this is a drain back issue. And yep. um, you know, it's I, I, In all the classes I've been going to lately, and lately I've been hitting the books really hard. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I thought I'd be winding it down now. Now I'm starting to get back into, well, I guess i got to go to class twice as much. One of the things I'm really amazed at is how tight all the tolerances are getting and all the areas for abuse, for lack of a better way to put it, are shrinking. And in terms of parts, in terms of fluids, in terms of application, in terms of how we're going to repair and work on these vehicles, it's all changing, and it's changing yeah. right in front of my eyes. So, uh, <laughs> y- you know, it's its no more junk parts, uh, you know, no more garbage, got to use the good stuff. That's and right. um, the people that want to use the junk, we just show them the door. It's just not worth the aggravation anymore. Nope. So, but uh, anyway, good luck to you, Corey. Let me know how it works out. If you need more help, you uh, you give us a call, all right?
3: Hey, Ron, thanks. Keep on, man.
0: You're welcome, sir. Oh, we will. Absolutely, positively. 855-560-9900. Ron and Annie in the car, Doctor. I'm coming right back. Don't go away. Welcome back. Ron and Annie in the car, Doctor. 855-560-9900. Give us a call, or give us a call when we're not on the air, and leave a message, and Tom Ray, our producer, will call you back and get you in the loop. Let's get over and talk to Joe Augusta, Maine, 88 Cadillac and some uh, issues with noise from the lifter area. Joe, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help?
2: Oh, thank you very much. I enjoy the show. You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, Yeah. The, uh, lifter noise appeared maybe five or 10,000 miles ago. And I couldn't seem to find a mechanic that, uh, wanted to to deal with it. I did find somebody locally that had worked at a GM dealership with Cadillacs. And when they closed, he has his own garage. Um, He changed some rocker pivots, I think they're called, Yep. recently on the, when you're looking at the motor in the car, it would be towards the firewall, and that seemed to help. Uh, I took it in a week or so later for an oil change, because it was due, and we just didn't have time when he did it the first time. So uh, the noise seemed to come back, and we discussed it, and he just kind of perplexed about what to do. He thought one of them was a lifter uh, that wasn't. You know, was was making some noise, but anyway, we're. I'm just kind of stuck with the car. I like it a lot. It goes great. But Um, right. Let me. To find a used car up here that doesn't have a lot of rust and stuff, and this one's been great for me. But wondering what options, you know, whether it would be worth it to do some more internal work or look at a replacement motor or just give up on it. I'm not sure.
0: Well, you know, here's here's the deal. This is a front wheel drive Deville, correct? Yes. All right. So this is this is the four nine in eighty in eighty eight. It was a four nine, wasn't it, or is it a four five? It's a four five. Right. Okay. But this is the HT four thousand five hundred. This is the all aluminum engine that's going to yes. it's going to lead Cadillac to the next generation. Uh huh. Um, yeah. You know, I'll be candid with you, Joe, um, because you know I'm not, and I'm not going to I'm not going to beat you up. I'm just going to tell it to you like I remember it. When these came out, I was working for I was I, the shop was located within a limousine and Hearst company. So I had a, I worked on a lot of these. Um, you know, we actually had a corner of a building that uh, this is well, this is thirty something years ago, right? Forty years ago. Um, you know, the life cycle of a forty five hundred and the forty one hundred caddy engines at the time was about 40,000 miles. If one made it past fifty, it was like a miracle. It really was. It was bad.
2: Yeah, that's Uh, kind of what he's telling me, too.
0: So, you know, I'm stunned to hear one almost 40 years later with, you know, 150,000 miles on it. That is unheard of because this is an engine that has a little durability and long-lasting of a potato chip rolling around in the Atlantic Ocean. It just just has none, Um, you know. So to start throwing a little bit of money at this and trying to repair one noise – I think is a folly, because what 's next uh, you know, unless you happen to get the one that General Motors released that doesn 't have long term problems i 'd be stunned if something else doesn 't start to happen somewhere else down the line. Uh, you know some of the problems with these were the intake manifold bolts always loosened up, and the car would come in for the first thirty I can remember this like it was yesterday the car would come in for its first thirty thousand mile service and as part of that 30 30 service the mechanic would always retorque the intake manifold bolts and if they yeah. weren't if they weren't torqued in proper sequence by the time the car made it out the door they had pulled the block back square so to speak the the 2x4 took a sag to it and and retorquing the intake manifold because all the parts of that engine depend upon each other to maintain in, integral strength and square so to speak by the time the car made it out the door after the intake manifold torque the center rod, the center crank bearing would spin. That was the thrust bearing on that, and it would the knock would go away or the knock would get louder and they're putting an engine in the car. That being yeah. said, if you really love the car, see if you can find an engine. And I say it like that, see, because to my knowledge, about fifteen years ago they stopped reproducing that engine. I don't yeah, I, I don't know of too many people that are rebuilding it. Uh, you know, the, the the only one that I think of that could come to mind is maybe Jasper. They're online, jasperengines.com or whatever their website is. Uh, you know, they're a national rebuilder. Uh, I have no direct experience with them um, other than I see guys using them from time to time. We don't see a lot of engines coming in and out of cars anymore. You know, but you're going to be shocked at what you'll spend. Uh, you know, right. it, you know, it's going to be somewhere in the three to $4,000 range without even thinking just for the yeah. engine. Uh, yeah, you know, and yeah, then, well, then. then with labor, it'll be six grand. You ready to put six grand in an 88 Cadillac? No. no. You know, it's yeah. it, right. It just becomes ludicrous. So the question becomes, yeah. how deep is the problem? Listen, I, I got to tell you, um, I'm impressed that your mechanic would actually make the effort to do the rockers and try. Uh, you know, yep. I, you know, I I probably would have done the same thing, but I would have given you the caveat, and I'm hoping he did the same thing too, so that there's no hard feelings between the two of you. That oh this, no, it's fine. He yeah.
2: he was very upfront and yeah. he said he had some experience with, you know, this was a very common thing, yep. and occasionally they could, you know, and he gave me a price, and it was just you know it was like three or four hundred bucks. Right. I said, well, it's worth a try.
0: It's it's worth and, a try. Yeah, absolutely. It's just it really comes back to. You know, how deep do you want to go, and is it really worth it? But um, if it's not a super terrible noise, and it's just going to be a clatter for a while, drive it till it stops. Just make sure you're no place bad when it does, but... Um Uh, You know, to put more money in it, it's going to get very, 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 very expensive. I think I would take the five grand, and what an engine would probably become and try and find a Southern California car that's got 20,000 miles on it, and at least you'll probably get 10,000 more out of it, if you know what I'm saying, something else that won't have rust on it. Joe, good luck to you, and thanks for listening up there in Augusta, Maine. 855-560-9900. Ron and Amy in the car doctor coming back right after this. Welcome back. Let's get over and talk to Frank, Lake Placid, Florida, 99 Toyota Tacoma. Yes, Frank, how can I help? Yes, sir. I got this uh, Toyota.
1: uh runs perfect. I don't have any problems with it.
0: 250,000
1: okay. miles. I've always changed the oil. I got a 14-year-old niece, so that's looking at it and making hints that maybe that's going to be her first car.
0: Good. And i uh, thinking, okay, that's possible.
3: Yeah, why not? Um,
0: why not? Uh, what, what I'm uh, What was going to do was maybe get it painted, get the interior done, clean it up, make it look good. But what I'm wondering is at 250,000 miles, what's the next shoe to fall? Is there any preemptive repairs I need to do inside the engine? Uh, Which which engine? Which engine is this, Frank? Four-cylinder. The bigger of the two, four-cylinder engines. Okay. Um, I can't get it in my head. Timing belt, timing chain. You know, there's a, if there's a if there's uh, a timing belt motor, by all means, I'd make sure the belt was done in, in proper sequence. I think this is good. I think this is a chain motor, though. This strikes me as a chain car. Um, uh, off the top of my head, I would just tell you to go through normal maintenance, check all the fluids, the usual suspect filters, spark plugs, that kind of stuff. Give her a clean car, and um, you know, let her let her have it. I, you know, they're strong. Uh, there's no reason why the car won't go another two hundred thousand miles with proper care. Uh, You know, I, I, I wouldn't be afraid of the mileage. I would keep her on a short leash and explain it to her. You know, it's an older car. It's got some miles on it. Um, you know, but I'll fix it up. Just like you said, I'll fix it up. I'll paint it. I'll clean up the interior. What I always do to get kids interested in the car that I'm going to give them or sell them or, you know, get them involved with, tell her you'll put a stereo in it for her. She can pick it out, and she's got X number of dollars to spend on it, provided she helps you clean the car up. That way she uh, kind of gets a feel for it and appreciates the piece of machinery. So um, that would be my thought. Good ideas, Frank. I'm Ron and in and the car doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.